0: The Incomparable, number 146, June 2013.
1: Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a recent movie release. So many of the things we do on this podcast, it's classic stuff, stuff that's been out for a while. But uh, in the last few months, we've been trying to do a few of the summer movies and, and get them out there sooner. And so this is something that came out um, not too long ago, as we record this, a week and a half ago, it's uh, Man of Steel, the Zack Snyder-directed Superman movie, uh, and we're going to talk about it for the next hour-ish, probably, unless we all get very frustrated and say, this podcast is over, and then it'll be the shortest episode ever. Joining me to talk about the new Superman movie are my three distinguished panelists, Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Thanks for thanks for being here.
2: Hi, Jason. It's, it's great to be back after such a long time away from The Incomparable
1: yeah you you say that but the other episodes I've recorded with you recently aren't gonna air for weeks now, but
2: i'm I'm just screwing with our audience just
1: between you and me. we've done a lot of these this week. John Syracusa is also here John thanks for being here. does this title have a missing colon
0: too or is that not a thing what, what, man, man colon colon of, of steel. steel yes man of <laughs>
1: colon steel steel x o man of steel no that's, that's i would watch a, that movie totally different character x o man of war and because of the yeah, that was the reference. They, the comic book reference brought him out. It's Moisés Chuyán. Hi, Moisés.
3: Hi, Jason. I, I like to think of myself as the uh, the crypto
2: in this lineup. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, crypto the super dog. Uh, he will be making an appearance on a on a on a future incomparable. I is one of us that.
2: Supergirl or is one of us like Beppo?
1: <laughs> Beppo, Buka be- de Beppo.
2: No, but Beppo the super chimp. Beppo oh, okay. the super chimp.
1: Yeah. All right.
2: Sorry, I was reading an interview with David Goyer this morning in which he talks tells a story about sitting on set with Russell Crowe and says to him, Yeah, in this scene, you're going to be uh, acting opposite Beppo the Super Chimp. And Russell Crowe right, just, Mike, crow just uh, what, looks at him what and, and is like, Are you bleeping kidding me? And David Goyer's like, Yeah, yeah, I'm just kidding.
1: So this is a, I like to talk about when the movie was made. This is a movie from um, 2013. Uh, it was released uh, last week. So it's it's not a it's not a classic but we're going to dive in just like we did with Iron Man and Star Trek. Um and I'm going to blow the spoiler horn here because really even though uh, okay, let's details. Turns all the out he's an alien. Uh yeah, Jor-El dies, uh Krypton is ex- it blows up. Uh Superman now, and Clark Kent are the same guy. That
2: would have been a really bold move if they decided like maybe let's not just blow up Krypton this time. Like it's still there.
1: He can shoot lasers from his eyes. Nero drops red matter into Klingon, or not Klingon, (laughs) into Krypton, and it blows up. It's very sad. No, see, that would be really shaking things up, bringing the Klingons and and Romulans from the future. Superman is from the home world of the Klingons. So (laughs) Warner Brothers buys Paramount, merges Star Trek and Superman. All spoilers, real and imagined. We're going to talk about what's in this movie, which means if you have not seen this movie, you should not listen to this episode unless you are a crazy person. And if you're a crazy person, I don't want to get near you because you might stab me. So do whatever you like. Spoiler horn. (laughs) As the spoiler horn has spoken. So, uh, Man of Steel. This is uh, a movie that was written by what? David Goyer and Christopher Nolan. Jonah Nolan. <laughs> no, Nolan. Nolan Bucknell. No, uh, Christopher Nolan, Nolan and David Nolan, Goyer. Ryan Ryan. Nolan, and, Ryan. Uh, so Christopher Nolan, who brought us the Dark Knight uh, trilogy, the the Batman Begins trilogy, um, and so the the. But it's Zack Snyder, the director of Three Hundred and Watchmen um an interesting combination i've seen a lot of articles that sort of liken this this superman reboot to to uh the dark knight movies i'm not sure i necessarily buy that um but it's definitely well, i unlike think that's superman, what I shooting for <laughs> unlike superman returns which was honoring the uh those classic uh it's christopher reeve movies this is a, a a return to the beginning and people who listen to the incomparable will know that i complain a lot about retelling of origin stories um, you know, I, I sometimes I guess superheroes' most interesting story is their origin. Other times, I wonder though if we've seen all these origins before and they're not that interesting. So it, we get it here. I think. Um. So here, here's the thing. I have lots of problems with this movie but I one of the reasons I have problems with this movie is that I think that there are a lot of things this movie does right with a problematic character in Superman who has his 75 years old his origins are a little bit strange they do some rewriting and refiguring of his origins and I think they I think for a lot of that they do a pretty good job so in this movie we see uh, planet krypton there's sort of like political machinations there's a corrupt society russell crowe is Jorel. he's he's trying to convince the corrupt government to do something because the planet's gonna implode on itself because they've been mining the core or something it's an ecological catastrophe basically but meanwhile um general zod has other ideas he would like to uh just shoot everybody essentially um, and that 's and that 's sort of how the movie gets started and we We discover that this is what motivates Jorel to send his son, who turns out is the first uh child born of a of a of a woman instead of out of a test tube in Krypton in thousands of years, and send his son and the genetic material that makes up the entire Kryptonian race to earth uh and Meanwhile, General Zod is blowing things up and um and it was a little like Avatar because jor rides on a little like uh, one of those ostriches it's, like a from
2: Joust. it's like a dragonfly,
1: yeah, something like that. Um, which I actually thought was kind of cool.
2: This, I mean, it's a great it's a great looking sequence. This whole section with Krypton, I think, is yeah. actually some of the better green screen work I've seen. Yeah, um, there's some it great me of ideas. Avatar a
1: little bit with the funny flying creatures and
2: the weird shaped buildings and stuff. Well, and the design, I kind of like some of the design. I like the little robot. You know, his little probe guy that he got going around with him that's got sort of the... What do you call that thing? Another you know, thing that's like made impression. Yeah, that's right. compression yeah. So, yeah. yeah. it's got that thing going there. compression is
1: the, is the definition of all technology on Krypton. It's all yeah, based on that's as far
2: as they advanced. They got to like the 1980s and we're like... Well, they have that in, in
1: X-Men too, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Sharper Image was very big on Krypton. Um, so I, I think it's good looking. There's a lot of good... It's good looking effects. It's a, you know spectacular sequence in terms of just you know literally spectacle Uh, but it's also way too long
0: yeah that's what well that's what you want to have an opening sequence is you want to knock people knock people socks off right from the get-go and starting with krypton where everyone who's watching this movie knows what's going to happen like we know we're not going to be spending much of this movie on krypton because it's got to blow up pretty soon Uh, and yeah it does go a little bit long uh they could have compressed it a little bit but like i when the movie opened, I was impressed by the visuals and by because I figured, like, okay, they got to go chop, chop, chop. They got to have Jarrell. He complains, sends the sun off, kind of blows up. Figured that would happen in pretty rapid sequence. And the fact that they let it run a little bit too long, maybe yeah. a few too many sequences, should have been a warning for the re- how they were going to handle the rest of the movie <laughs> but at that point i was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say this looked really cool yeah i like the fact i, I like how everything played out i liked i liked all the designs and the effects were uh, very impressive and i didn't you know i didn't fault them for anything except dragging it out a bit much although in some of those things like showing the story about his parents and wh- whatever actress played his mother and everything like i liked the the actress who played his mother uh uh, I liked Russell Crowe for the most part when he was on Krypton. Yeah, I guess they wanted to make them into some kind of characters before they killed them off, but I don't know if that's essential for a Superman movie.
1: And it made—I mean, it kind of makes sense of why he's sent to Earth in a retelling. That you know, again, I—I I don't yeah, really sort I, of. Well, I—I I like. Well, I like them trying to make it something that feels a little more um modern and relevant and and they they went the sort of sci-fi plot route here but um you know it was it was kind of interesting
2: it to me, it smacked of we really need a reason later why Zod is looking for yeah, him that, so much. That, that, that's what they need, and
0: I don't think that's terrible. You do because I was trying to think back to Superman 2. I am like, why was Zod there? He was just annoyed that he was trapped in a mirror for a yes. long time, and he wanted yes. to kill. Like this is at least a better motivation because in this in this genetic world where the people are designed for certain roles, his role, he, the role he was designed for, dictates that he would go after the guy who's got this genetic code or whatever. Like it's silly, but it, you need something to give a character motivation and. As far as motivations go, it makes sense in context, right?
3: Well, it's it's a way to explain the kind of black and white uh, Cold War era villain that Zod was in the Superman mythos, where he is he, he's 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 about as nuanced as Cobra Commander in the comics. Yeah. He is just
1: and in this movie. And well, in, no. this movie. In, the, in the movie, it, 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 I think look, case,
0: I, yeah, I, he's yeah he's more sympathetic in the movie mm-hmm. because it's like that's mm-hmm. what his you know when he goes to everything I've done I've done to save Krypton you're like oh well you know if he was if he was genetically bred to be that particular role as the leader of the armed forces whose goal was to protect Krypton it's it's like a Hal Nine Thousand scenario where he was programmed to protect the mission at all costs and ends up doing bad things but really he's just trying to protect the mission right well Zod is just trying to save Krypton which yes blew up but carrying out his program so to speak. This is the logical consequence, and it would also make sense that he would have uh, no qualms about doing terrible things because he is also supposed to be the leader of the armed forces. As exactly.
2: Well. well, yeah. And despite the fact that he's the leader of the armed forces, I also was was thrown off a little bit by the fact that you know Russell Crowe in a world where apparently everybody is genetically bred for a specific purpose, and yet Russell Crowe manages to pretty well hold his own against like the top of the warrior cast, presumably. Which well, he, is he it, loses is, in like five minutes? It's not like he. Oh, but I mean, he holds. His own, he knocks him down a couple times. Well, like he's I, a that big should guy, be so. the, the, the 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 scientist versus the warrior fight should be over in about three seconds. And I and this is an issue I have later on too with the you know which we'll get to with the the Superman versus Zod fights too.
3: There, there is the Russell Crow suspension of disbelief clause he's got in his fancy contract.
1: Science armor, yeah, you know, and <laughs>
3: yeah, science armor, right? Science, science is armor, armor, and, and just it, it's it's something <laughs> that they're contractually obligated to give Russell Crow one fight in every movie that he's in, where he is the fist of justice fighting against evil, and he at least starts to get the upper hand on somebody. It happened in a Rob, and they they uh, they made Javert, you know, more of a more of a, 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 a
0: a scrapping badass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, then same, really same ending as Gladiator. He dies.
2: I'm just saying this is the least least believable superhero scientist since Arnold Schwarzenegger played Victor Fries.
1: Ouch. <laughs> so I I don't want us to stay on Krypton too long, like the movie does. But um, it, it is interesting, and then and what we end up getting next, which I I found a lot of relief about, is we don't end up with, uh, you know. Uh, comet kind of thing in the sky, people in Kansas wondering what it is, thing comes down, Jonathan Kent finds it, you know, baby naked baby picks up a car, or whatever, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Instead, we get um we get an adult more or less, uh, Clark, and we see him, he's kind of kind of a, a drifter, a traveler, going from place to place, but he he's saves Wolverine. People. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He is with the beard and... the claws, but he's yeah, he's scruffy. Um and he's nice, though he's not like Wolverine. Wolverine's not nice, but um, he's scruffy, and um, and then in flashback we see sort of the story of him growing up. And I I liked the attempt to to because I was really dreading the yet another retelling of the origin story. I just Wait, don't why, like that why in
0: why are you dreading that? Why well, I hear a lot of people complaining. Oh, I can't see these origin stories anymore. What is it about origin story or Superman's origin story in particular that is is off-putting to you?
1: I, I, you know, I, it's not Superman's in particular. I didn't really want to see Spider-Man's origin story a second time in ten years either. Um, and, and and it's just it's it's the, this ground, this particular ground's been tread on with the Superman movies, with Smallville. I mean, ten it's just like I,
2: years of Smallville.
1: I I just I don't know. I. I worried that it was going to be a story – tell me a story that I've heard in exactly the same way I heard it before. And what I like is they tried to tell it differently. And I think it was effective in in large part. I liked the fact that he is sort of disaffected and, I mean, alienated from people. He wants to do good and he wants to to take care of people when they're in harm's way. But he's not part of our world. And – Quite, you know, quite literally, but also just socially, he's not part of our world. He's he's removed from everybody. And then in flashback, we see what his father tells him, which is, you know, don't reveal yourself. I, even if you save people, maybe you shouldn't save them if it's going to reveal yourself. And I I just... I guess what I was really dreading was the retelling of that same old story in that same old way. And I like that they told it in a different way and got to the point of, like, why he is what, you know, for for the first 33 years of his life, this sort of secretive figure who who doesn't make any connections other than with his family because he's always drifting on like uh, Bill Bixby in The Incredible Hulk.
2: Well, see, I liked the the substance of that. I agree. I like the the drifter part and the, the stuff they sort of redid. I actually wanted more of that and less of the flashback. I thought I think for me the flashback lost some of its effectiveness by going so nonlinear, um, where it, it really bounces around between him as like, you know, as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult. I felt like it got disjointed to me and I didn't get a clear, I never got a clear view of clark as a character you know i i filled in a lot of it because i know who superman and clark kent are but i i I did not feel like they did they needed to build up a lot of stuff in order to earn certain things later on and i don't think that they built up enough of it to actually make those payoffs work um i i liked the substance of it but i just didn't like the the structure bugged me
0: you're not helping the people who confuse us dan because you said everything you said i agree with (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, i want that i want that in writing
3: I, I i agree i agree so much with with everything that dan said as well and on on the note of, right this show's and, over guys see you later yeah i think we're done <laughs> i think we're done now our work here uh, is done uh jason uh in in something that's kind of a sideways plug um i'm glad that i didn't have you on this week's episode of giant size because all we talked about was superman origin story retellings and it just would have been an hour of you yelling and screaming and crying
1: no, no. I mean, um. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess it's the same reason that I'm, I'm kind of okay with the retelling of 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 stories that are that are considered sacred. I actually end up being more interested in them being told differently than in in them being told the same way. And and I just, I don't know why they're obligatory, but it, it, it's fine. And and like I said, in this in this, I didn't mind how they were they were telling it. I agree with all of you that the flashbacks. I mean, the flashbacks were long, but boy, they could have been so much longer. It's
0: it's (laughs) not so much that they were flashbacks. Like, well, first on origin stories, I like origin stories, particularly with superheroes, because what I dread in superhero movies. Is the ones where they settled in, where it's like we've set up the world, we set up the character, we set up the powers. This movie is create antagonist. It's like James Bond movie. Create antagonist. Hero goes against antagonist. Hero defeats an- world is in the balance. Hero defeats antagonist. That's what I find tiresome about superhero they ch- movies. And when
3: they they change when they've changed the lead actor more than twice. Uh, and I, I, I don't mind
0: them changing things around. It's just like, well, it's like it becomes episodic where I feel like I'm watching Scooby-Doo where it's like, Oh, here we go again. Here's this part. Like, <laughs> right. and the there's, origin story, even though, even though that story has been told a million times, I, I, there's, I feel more of a human connection. It feels less like a person going to work and doing their job. It feels more like someone growing up and like, it's like a coming of age story. And how do they come to terms with the powers and how do they, how do they take the, the mantle of this thing they may want to become. And it's in that development from, oh, I have these gifts, what am I going to do with them? That causes you to create whatever kind of character you are. So what kind of Superman is this? What kind of Batman is this? Is this the tortured soul Dark Knight Batman? Is it the the world's greatest detective Batman? Is this the goody two-shoes Superman? Is it the the dark and, and more ambiguous Superman? Is it the alienated Superman? And it's through the origin story that you develop that character. And once the character arrives, it's kind of like I'm not as excited to see that character have various adventures and battle Lex like Luther in the next movie, unless he still has some sort of internal conflict, or unless like something happened to him in the first movie that he hasn't quite resolved. Kind of like Casino Royale, where that James Bond character, like he was a different character at the beginning of the movie and had bad things happen to him, and you know he's going to be damaged in the second movie. And then there was a writer strike. Although that
1: was, happened, of, but, that was kind of that was kind of his origin story, though. That was kind of an yeah. origin story. Well, that's what I'm right. saying.
0: Like that that de- that gives you the James Bond. Yeah. It, and, it's the and lens the through which
1: you view him. You know, I, I just wanted to say something about origins, though, which is which is origins are a good story to tell, and I don't want us to get too far off here. But uh, origins yeah. are a good story to tell, but there are other ways to tell stories other than how did I come to be. If you, it, it may be harder to tell those stories, but it doesn't have to be just sort of completely episodic. I mean, I can give you an example of, you know, Star, Star Trek, Star Trek Two, or Star Trek First Contact. They don't, they don't t- say how the Enterprise came to be. It's like there's the characters that are dynamic. They have things going on with them. Um, you can tell a good story without it being the coming-of-age story. I, I guess maybe that's part of my my feeling, too. Is like it's not the only superhero story. I agree and disagree there where to
3: uh, diehard Star Trek nerds like us, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan and Star Trek uh, whatever number 9, 10 uh, First Contact is, seem like they could be great jumping-on points. Um, but there there have been a number of instances where I've tried showing both of those movies to people that just don't know Star Trek from Pete, and they're lost out of their minds. That's not to say that you know maybe their their head wasn't in the right space for it, but those movies are better at being able to jump into them than some of the other Star Trek movies. But I, in, in that specific case, I don't feel like they're as easy to get into as the 09 Trek for people that aren't familiar with it at all. Um, But honestly, I think any version of the Superman origin story they've done in the movies is equally easy to get into, and the function of this one should have been and was apparently to reset the Superman world in modern times and around uh, story elements that'll make sense and not be entirely outdated and serve a bigger action landscape. But the thing that drives me crazy about it, about this, uh, this... the the you know trying trying too long with krypton and too many flashbacks is that they're trying to do they they tried to do too many different mechanics at once and that's why it feels long and that's why it feels like uh, like they they could have
2: trimmed it down a bit well they're all templated because we're talking oh, yeah. you know we're talking the hero's journey to a certain yeah, extent right like so and this is this is to me where this falls a little bit flat is that it does try to mix up the hero's journey a little bit but you know there's a I don't want to say there's just a comfort to a template like that, but there is a familiar part about it. And I think that people really respond to that shape of a story. Um, And I'm not saying that you need to use that story for everything, but uh, you can work against it in some ways that provide a really nice conflict. I don't think this did a good enough job of creating that tension to me. It felt like a, very much a set up as a diametrically like oh we don't want to do that so we're gonna to try to do just right. like different 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 at all these points and it doesn't come together cohesively it's, also, it's very
1: Superman is a problematic character and I'll, and maybe we'll get into yeah, this yeah. later but in so many ways yes. because he is so perfect historically and they're trying nice. to make trying to make it different to make the shape of his story a little bit different and 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 I like a lot of that right and
2: to John's point I think the problem with Superman in particular when you talk about you know, he was talking about getting at the comfort and the formula. The problem with Superman is he's—he's he's God, right? Like he—he's yeah. he's invulnerable, he's indestructible, he can beat everybody. He's got super strength, he can fly. Like he's got everything. So well, I don't think that's hard... his
0: biggest problem. His biggest problem is not his powers. His biggest problem is his personality, because you—you you want you want him to have internal conflict, and you would think someone with those powers would have internal like. The actual Jesus Christ had more internal conflict than the classic <laughs> Superman in the movies, you know what I mean? Well, sure.
2: I know, and I think you're right. I mean, I just think in with, with Batman or, or, you know, Iron Man, where it's like, all right, this is a person who can get hurt and killed. I think, you know, you do want to see internal conflict, but there's also an external part of it, whereas Superman is like, Superman beats everything, right? Like, Superman is just the trump card.
3: Well, in, in those in those previous adaptations, so often the Superman paragon of virtue who always gets there in the nick of time is different than, and, and I think this is this is a big point that is the reason that a lot of super diehard fans have railed against the movie is the scale of destruction that that the movie gets into. Well,
0: we'll, we'll get to that bit. We'll, we'll so get... We get to that. But I, I wanted to have yeah. more, a few more things on the origin before we get off it for good. Uh, one about the the two, the J.J. The J. Abrams Star Treks. The first two the, the first two and only JJ from Star Trek are both origin stories because the first one is yes. here's how these characters come to be and the second one is you know by the end of the movie they're on their 5-year yeah. mission right it's just and not a retelling because yeah, they never and, told it <laughs> and the difference is the difference is that I I look forward to seeing the adventures of the Star Trek Enterprise crew on their 5-year mission Because maybe that's what I expect out of Star Trek, or there's enough moving parts where I feel like they have. There's so many possibilities. They can go to all sorts of different worlds. You can have different characters be the focus. You can have different things happen. You can kill off characters because it's an ensemble cast. Whereas with a single superhero movie, you're not going to kill him off because, unless you like are going to immediately bring him back or something like that. And he's going to have some sort of villain and it's going to be the world in crisis and he's going to, uh, you know, it's like. I don't want to see Superman going right. to work and doing right. his job. Right. I, I would pa- rather see him yes. fly around yes. and catch
2: bank robbers.
0: Right? Because I was, that's I was going to yeah.
1: say the same thing, John. Which is maybe the reason that they keep telling superhero origin stories is that there aren't any other good. I mean, I would like to believe there are other good superhero stories to tell, but maybe it's much. More difficult. I mean, I like Spider-Man Two as an example where there's more, but
0: I mean, there there are, but but it can't be it can't be about the plot though. It's like World War Two movies are not about World War Two; they're about the people who are in World War Two. So right. it, superhero movies have to be about the the superhero person dealing yeah, with challenge. his own personal issues with the well, backdrop of. You know, this thing this thing this thing That's why Spider Man Two is such a well, great movie.
2: Well and then Spider Man two in, in in turn is like Superman two, which he does the same thing, right? right? In both cases, they sort of like, I'm not gonna be a hero anymore, right? And I'm gonna no use my powers. Right? Like Superman does that in Superman two as well. And so it, that's the that's the internal struggle. I mean, it's also again, it's becomes kind of not exactly cliche, but it is a trope, right, of the superhero like, No, I'm putting too many people in danger or whatever. I'm just gonna be a normal person. Yes, yeah, Superman, Superman doesn't have that problem in this movie. <laughs> I want to stop for a moment to talk about our sponsor. Yes, once
1: again, this is becoming a wonderful trend. The Incomparable has a sponsor. And this sponsor is Igloo. Igloo is an intranet for your for your work, your for your place of employment, that you'll actually like. I know you've heard about, uh, there are a bunch of different services that do things like you know uh, corporate blogs or internal calendars or like a chat room or a twitter like thing um all a wiki all these different kind of things that you can get and set up for your for your work um igloo is all of those things it is blogs and calendars and file sharing and forums and microblogs and wikis and all that stuff it's social You can comment on any kind of content. You can at mention your coworkers. You can follow content for updates. So it's like a a whole social internet for your work. You can add on rooms, little mini igloos. You create an entire like igloo complex and have your own personal igloo fortress of solitude. Huh? Huh? Superman tie-in? Fortress of solitude? Anyone? Come on, Dan. You had to
2: like that. I, I may have... Laughed slightly. I will oh. just ask. You know, I like us having sponsors. Can it be one of those things like when you're in little league and they put their name on? We can all have shirts and they have the sponsor's name Let's on the back. say Igloo Software on the back, and then we all yes, get a pizza can. afterwards. Can we do yes, that? All right. we can. I'm sold. We, all right, love you, but Igloo guys. Igloo Igloo Software will
1: will be buying the shirts for our softball team. Um, and and so Fortress of Solitude, many igloos. You don't have to be in Canada to use Igloo Software. It's available everywhere, even where it's warm. These igloos won't melt. Um, super easy to use. Uh, the whole thing's drag and drop. Uh, there's responsive design type kit fonts. So it looks really great. Uh, it, it's secure. If you've got somebody in your business, I've got a few in mind who say, Oh no, I, we can't use third party apps. It's insecure. And people will read all our important stuff. Um, Enterprise grade security. Uh, so your stuff will be safe. Safe. You can start using it right away. Um, and here is a great thing about Igloo software. It is absolutely free to use for up to 10 people. So if you've got a small work group, you can just use it. Go ahead and use it now. And then when you've got the like oversized igloo, you got to bring in some more blocks of ice. You got to cl- clear the moose out and get some more ice out and build up even like a giant igloo or one of those ice hotels like in Sweden. Uh $12 per person per, for each month for every extra person that you get. Um but uh it's all of your internet stuff for your for your work. Um, and here's how you get it. You go to a very special URL generated just for us. I think with John Syracuse in mind, go to iglusoftwarecom slash Vader. That's right. If you don't know how to spell Vader, you are listening to the wrong podcast, iglusoftwarecom slash Vader, and you can start building your igloo. And Darth Vader's igloo has a little top part and a little <laughs> bottom part of ice, and then they come together, and he lives inside that. It's, that's yeah, it's black. Black ice. No, it's white ice. And he's the black-clad guy. There's black ice on the, the outside,
2: th- white ice on the inside.
1: Oh, okay. Very good. That's right. That's that's it. igloosoftware.com slash vader to build Darth Vader's igloo and your own personal business igloo. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that this summer we got uh, two movies where a classic... Villain played played by a very interesting actor from about 30 years ago in the second movie in a film series got replayed in a (laughs) in a summer movie because Terrence Stamps General Zod in Superman 2 is such a great uh, a, a great character I think it was smart of them to put all the krypton stuff in one movie here uh, although it is kind of overstuffed and it, it gives you a direct line between why superman was sent to earth and why general zod is angry and i think that's what they tried to do in the original superman and they ended up splitting it into two movies but i like that that they sort of like put it all in here and and try to get it out of the way um i thought that was interesting i do wonder if if people who are diehard Superman fans are upset by some of the canonical changes that are in here, like uh, Lois Lane figures out, you know, right, his identity. Right. It's the other direction. She figures out from his mysterious appearances and ends up at his childhood home in Kansas. I thought that was interesting and made Lois Lane a little more interesting. It's certainly not the canon of Superman. But so I'm man, sure purists that are w- freaking out, but I thought it was good. That might have been my favorite part of the movie because for ages
3: I've been I've been waiting for somebody uh, to not just iterate on Lois Lane being the same
1: dumb broad in the newsroom. Um, who yeah, she's a Pulitzer Prize winner here. Amy Adams does yeah. not come across as a dummy. <laughs> and a- she everyone else can't
0: recognize faces though, unfortunately. Yes, well that's yeah. true. Yeah. The entire well, rest I of mean, the planet.
2: Yeah, that is I kept thinking when watching this movie is so we have that scene where where she goes up to the Arctic and then we have guest cameos from two different Battlestar Galactica uh, actors. Yeah, Gaeta is in there. Gaeta and Hilo. Yeah, and Hilo. Um, And so I. And so then you know we have him go on the ship, and Amy Adam Lewis Lane, follows him onto the ship, and then she gets shot by the like security system, and he has to save her. And so I'm sitting there a the whole time thinking like, as we're doing the lead up, like she's going to find him in the ship and what's he going to say like and i was like oh maybe he'll tell her he's a reporter from another paper Uh, and that's how we'll get the clark kent identity and then when i you know when when he's trying to heal her right like he cauterizes the wound i'm thinking i'm sitting there going well there's no way she's not going to recognize him if he ever shows up as clark kent right because you're like two feet away from this guy he doesn't look that dim- he's not wearing glasses or anything so he's not gonna fool you with that
0: that's part of the conceit of the hero of this of this entire show is that for some reason we can't recognize him when he has it maybe he glamors them like he's part vampire
2: so the it's, it's the uh, there's the tick character was he clark oppenheimer or something <laughs> he wears the hypno glasses yeah um yeah so but the thing that i agree i liked the lois lane tracking him down part the the difficulty sort of feeds back into that same comment I made earlier, where I think it robs us of a little bit of the Clark Kent setup. Also, I will say this now because you know, and I realize this reaches ahead towards the end of the movie. But is anyone else really concerned that maybe, like he didn't actually go to college or have a degree in journalism or anything to get hired?
1: He's a fraud. He's don't nobody checks resumes he, anymore. He's
2: very persuasive and very. <laughs> when handsome. has that stopped so any bloggers? These
1: I assumed <laughs> Lois vouches for him and sets right. Well, him up that's in this that's job, what I was. Right? People
2: kept saying, but I'm like. I don't know. Like, You feel like there's probably a lot of reporters going hungry uh, now because they keep giving away. Newspapers are going downhill. They're, hire I'm just anybody. saying they're giving jobs away to illegal aliens left and right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he works cheap. Uh, one more thing in the origins before we leave it for good. Well, oh, wait, you already had your one more <laughs> thing. No, 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 but this is my final thing. I swear. <laughs> all, right. all right. So the, the, the trailers really leaned on the the origin story and like the scenes with Kevin Costner and the voiceover and all that other stuff like that. And as Dan said, the way they cut it together, like if you follow the traditional arc, that's fine. And if you do it well, it works really well. If you want to go against that traditional story and riff on it, you need to be really good. And they did not successfully riff on it. And I think it undercut all the things I wanted to see in the movie by chopping it up the way they did. And I think they chopped it up the way they did because they wanted to get Amy Adams on screen as soon as possible. You can't have the whole first half of the movie not feature Amy Adams because he's not grown up yet and he doesn't meet her because she's presumably not in the same town as him. So mm. I think that robbed that whole section of the movie of momentum of force. I did not like jumping forward adult then remember when you were a kid, then remember when you were adult, then remember when you were a kid. I wanted to because they, it didn't didn't work for me. I would rather have seen them go traditional chronological. He lands on the planet. You don't have to do I his gr- whole thing. You don't have to do the baby holding a car, but just go through his his growing up period. As a, as a gentle ramp into it, because all those scenes were mostly good where the kid felt alien and he didn't know a hand, but the fact that we kept jumping back and forth, it was like, I was watching two stories and they did not cut together in a satisfying way. I could not,
3: I me. could not agree more. I could I not agree possibly agree well. more. They were trying to do too many things to do things as unconventionally as they could. And they were just doing it to do it and not doing it because it actually served
2: the story in the best way. Well, it does say something about the flashback structure. Um, I think the problem with some of it is the flashback is supposed to lend you like, all right, remember this time when you were a kid and you this thing happened to you that really like, impacted like, you later it's like in lost.
0: life. It's like lost. They want to intercut it like lost, but that doesn't yes. work with this. Right. Story. It
2: doesn't work because the problem is that you already know all, of, like there's nothing surprising in any you have of the to flashbacks. Be, you have
0: to be with him in the journey. Like the, 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 to, right. to tell it chronological, then you start to identify with him and you feel like you're the, the alien kid and you sympathize with him and like, that's what you need to do you don't need to go oh but like lost oh by the way here's this scene from the past that informs the current behavior because in lost you you in lost you care about the current situation and in this story you needed people to care about his childhood and what it was like you you know and it was just like we didn't care that much about him as an adult and we didn't need to be informed of these things and we weren't tied to the childhood story they were always like flashbacks
3: and we could have gotten vignettes of the childhood stuff and do it in order and and again i I find myself uh, using a, a method of argumentation that uh, that seems like uh, stuff that I always complain about and tell people they're idiots for for doing. But if they had just done it in order, it worked. It would have worked so much better. And and trusting the build to work. And yes, okay, the story's been told seven different times, but there are different bits of that story that you can tell in different ways that achieves what they were selling in the trailer a lot better than what actually got executed
2: in the movie yeah i agree with that i like i mean i was super psyched about seeing the trailer i thought it was really well done
1: so i came back from the movie and i i said something on twitter where i basically said i was disappointed in the movie and a bunch of people who hadn't seen it yet because i saw this on the saturday i think that it came out um said they were really disappointed because they liked the trailer and i like the trailer too and my take on it when i look back at that trailer is they put the best things in the movie in the trailer they
2: did yeah, i mean they don't they, really which did. good yeah. for yeah. them
0: all of kevin costner's scenes were in the trailer yeah like every single one basically.
2: right and they cut it together really well and they have music and it's that all...
1: scene where he says can i just pretend to be your son and he says you are my son i mean that's a scene that par- any parent is going to look at and be like oh my god yeah, it's, but so, like, it's such a the trailer.
0: they didn't, they didn't earn so that scene because it was like it yeah, was like his first time on camera and you know they need to build up they need to build up to that with him and yeah i i agree completely
2: it It robbed it of the emotion yeah because in the trailer it does he's got that little crack in his voice and that sells you right there like it was beautiful but
3: they spent all of that sympathetic uh um currency all in the trailer and you've got to have stuff to put people in and make them want to see the
0: movie but they you gotta have more
3: yeah you you gotta go somewhere beyond that in the movie itself or people go oh that was it
0: and by the way, this is this is my favorite. That was my favorite trailer this past year, and my favorite part of the trailer. Since we're listing them, was the one where <laughs> his mother says they'll kill him, and the father says how, which is a great line. Spoiled <laughs> by the trailer. If the movie had seven more of those lines surrounding that, it would have been better. But it just had the one line that I heard before. Yeah,
1: the, no, they did. So, so we're talking about things that that worked, and they put the things that worked in the trailer. Um, and, and I know that we people who really love this movie and maybe love it un, uncritically and, and, and just think it's the best will be quite upset by the fact that we've picked apart and complained about a lot of things that are in the first part of the movie. Make no mistake, I enjoyed watching the first part of the movie and it got my hopes up that this was going to be a very good movie that solved a lot of the Superman problems. And then came the second half of the movie, which I gotta say, completely lost any goodwill I had toward it and in the end made me, I think, dislike it even more than I would have if if it had just been kind of poor from the start and hadn't gotten my hopes up, I would have just waved my hand and been like, "Uh, oh, this is just crappy." But instead it like got my hopes up of like Yeah, you, oh, you they're making some interesting to creative it, right? decisions. They're trying to work around a lot of the problems of Superman as a character. They're trying to tell the story in a different way. You know, they they had those cool things that were in the trailer that were in this in this movie. You know, it's not all great, but I'm encouraged by it. And then we get to the second half, we get to General Zod coming to Earth and for me for me, it goes off the rails, and I want to talk about General Zod for a little bit. I want to talk about michael shannon michael <laughs> shannon uh an interesting actor um, in the scenes in on Krypton where he's trying to talk and reason with people. I felt like he was having trouble getting the words out. I think he actually was, I think it's a terrible performance in those scenes. I think he's a bad, he's being a bad actor. And I wondered why in the world did they cast him for this job? He's
0: not being a bad actor. Have you seen him on Boardwalk Empire? Well, I haven't. If you if you'd seen him on Boardwalk Empire, you would recognize the performance because it's like the case where there are tra- there are traits of the actor that come through in their performances. It's sort of the opposite of Meryl Streep.
1: I saw him be and, that and mean happens. sorority girl in that in that uh, viral video. <laughs> uh, my, my, what I was going to say though is that at the end of the movie, when he's kind of a maniac and is shouting a lot, I'm like ah. That's why they cast him because he's really good at being a menacing maniac and shouting a lot. But in the be- but I think I think it's uh, <laughs> why, when I, when why would you put in- this guy in charge of your military? <laughs> How many things have you seen him in? I'm I'm dying I'm dying right now. I, I I've seen him in this movie and in the thing where he's the sorority girl and I like that a lot better than this. It was a much better performance.
3: Yeah, no, if you had seen him more, you you would yeah. You've got to see him in Take Shelter. You've got to see him in Mud. The the thing the thing about Michael Shannon is the reason they cast him and what he was able to do in the movie are totally different things.
1: Oh, f- fair, and I- fair enough. All I can say is somebody who I'm not going to I'm not gonna look at the uh, an actor's backstory a- in order to judge his performance in a movie. In this movie, he was a disaster. And I would actually say when I was walking out of the movie, it, it, when uh, my wife and I were talking about it, and and I said... Um remember when we were talking about how lucky the Star Trek people were that they got Benedict Cumberbatch cuz he did a really good job. Well, this is what happens when you get an actor who doesn't do a very good job. I- Whether I it was, was the character, or the actor or miscast. the dialogue cuz it's bad dialogue too. I think right. I mean, it's not always the actor's fault if they got miscast, but this performance doesn't work for me. I think it's I think it's awful. I mean, I just I think the character is awful, the dialogue is awful and the performance is awful.
3: Uh, what 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 I'll say is I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you that that as a whole piece, it doesn't work. What I'm getting at is that I, I I put a whole lot more of it on the miscasting, misframing side of things because Michael Shannon's an actor who is the king of low-key. And, and the reason that I cite that other stuff that he's been in is that them transplanting him into this movie in this role, in theory, under the most ideal circumstances possible, in theory, he could absolutely kill... That role, in theory, but in execution, this is a guy who a friend of mine interviewed him once and asked him if he had gotten into Blu-ray yet. And he was like, "What's what's that? It sounds like some kind of like Godzilla monster." Or it's a something.
1: laser, yeah. It's a sort of laser.
3: <laughs> no, he like he 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 <laughs> had no idea what the guy was talking about. When you surround a guy who is you know like a a, a hardcore theater actor, low key dude. Is all about character work and process and all that kind of stuff, and not all of the green screen, um, motion capture dot BS. He, they, they. It's more. It's more. Uh, not that they put him out of his depth, but that they transplanted him into a world that just didn't make sense to mesh him with. I mean, if it, the the big the big thing is, this is the first time that he's done something of this scale, yeah. of this scope, of this filmmaking style, and it would be it would be like putting John Gielgud in 300. I would watch that
2: movie.
0: I think it makes a difference that what, what other things you've seen him in though, because Jason has seen uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in Sherlock uh, and other things. And if you, like I said, if you see this actor in his other roles, he is like one of those actors who has personality characteristics that can't help, but show through in the roles of it. Like I said, it's the opposite of Meryl Streep who appears to have no personality of her own. When she's in a role, she totally inhabits it right he and his thing and the roles that he plays is simmering repressed feelings that he tries to keep down but that inevitably come out in a burst of rage right that is uh, that is maybe it's his real personality but he plays lots of roles like that and he plays them very well like well, that's Boardwalk why he Empire was so good as the sorority is, girl is, who was is, mean. A, is a great example right where you <laughs> and in the beginning of the movie he's trying to keep that stuff tamped down which may not be appropriate for general zod right Uh, but his weird personality during that point that looks like bad acting is just him doing that thing he does where it's someone trying to keep it together when they have just incredible rage. And at the end of the movie is when the rage comes out. I don't think that's the appropriate character for General Zod, uh, Uh. but that's what he was doing in in the movie. And if you had seen him in other roles, I was completely comfortable with him doing that, but I kept thinking, is he the right guy for this? He's not maybe athletic enough. He's not maybe menacing enough. I don't feel like he would be repressing. I feel like he would be more confident because he's always like, uh, in his other roles, less confident, and that's why he's repressing this, and that's not doesn't fit with General Zod and everything. So I don't fault his acting; I fault the casting. And yes, of course, the script sure. and the dialogue were not were not helping him.
2: I fault the haircut and the goatee. Um, both of those I thought were not scary.
0: The girl, the girl was really good though. I liked her.
2: Oh, yeah, she was good. Even in... Um, yeah, I should say, I mean,
1: when we talk about acting, I mean, you can never tell what... With a movie so complicated a thing that I can say I don't like Michael Shannon in this movie. It may, It may or may not be his fault because it's a whole confluence of things, including the casting. An actor you know, can only do so much with a part. If he was miscast, he can try his best and he it's still not gonna well, come across, you know, but but it doesn't, I, I can say this, I think this is one of the big, not the biggest, but one of the big liabilities in this movie is I don't think he's the right guy for this part. I'm well, not sure who is, but I, I just don't think he's the
2: right guy. I want to flip this for one second and say that I, I thought, I really thought Henry Cavill was actually pretty good. I just didn't think they gave him anything to do.
0: Oh, no. He was he was good. Uh, yeah. He, he, he fit the role well. It's just... Uh, again, I don't think they anyway, gave the him script.
2: enough to do. There's only three or four points where he's got, like... So he's got the scene... Well, he's
1: interesting earlier than later, right? He's, right well, he's got the he's... scene in the
2: restaurant where he, like, defends the waitress, right? And then he walks away. And yeah. he's got the one scene... Uh, I like the scene with him at the very end where he's talking to the general... Uh you yeah. know, and he has a little bit of personality there and the scene where he's in the interrogation room with Amy with Lois Lane also good. They're like little spots with him. Because again, we talked about this earlier with the problem of Superman being like, well, he's, you know, if he's very goody two shoes, he's really boring. But like, I thought Cavill was well cast. He looks like looks perfect I like the, for the Like part. the
0: adolescent one too, squeezing yeah. the fence railing, like that actor. Yeah, yeah, that looks, was great. Look, look great like the adult actor and everything. Yeah. Uh, just just uh, th- a shortage problem, of
2: stuff for them to do.
0: Yeah, the problem with him and the problem with a lot of this movie is this sounds weird, but like this is one of the first movies I've seen in a long time where I felt like there was not enough script. Like there just yeah, wasn't yeah. Right oh, enough yeah. words yep. on the Agreed. pages because the words that were yeah. there weren't always terrible. Some scenes were hit. Some scenes were misses. But you're oh, like, John. there should be more script. Where there was.
1: They... <laughs> I was thinking of you while I was watching this movie because there is a scene that is very much like you described episode one where characters are actually just saying their motivations out loud where it's <laughs> right. like i i will d- i i am i am here to destroy this world because then krypton will come back and that is what i want to do so that we is what i'm going to, to do do that and and then no the <laughs> response is you. you are a monster zod and i will stop you <laughs> oh
2: I am yeah. the unmovable force. I am the unmovable force that will move you. I did, is, I, did somebody let Zack like Zach Snyder, rewrite parts of the script, or what happened here?
0: He let him let him burn half the pages. Apparently,
1: let's talk about let's talk about the fights. There are two big fights. There's the fight, that, in, <laughs> of the only, fight in the small. Was big it only city. two?
0: <laughs> I didn't say, or, it was either one giant fight or thousands
1: of small. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, now I this is the I'm, part I'm where putting... you talked about you talked about movable <laughs> uh, objects. Um, we talked about Zack Snyder. I did get the sense that this was the equivalent of somebody with two action figures just kind of going, you know, whacking <laughs> them against them each, each other. other. Oh, that's, that's great. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm
3: going to save you, Lois. Mm. You got two
1: halves of coconut and you're banging them together. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And then what happens when you whack two action figures against each other? Nothing. Because they're just plastic and nothing happens. But when you have and a giant is... special effects budget, so, so everything. So <laughs> the, the
0: fact that nothing happened isn't the problem. It's the property damage.
1: Well, it's That's the problem. It's there's two problems. First, there's a uh, a dramatic problem with these fights, which is you have two invincible, or or in the case of the Smallville battle, three, I guess, invincible people, and they they beat the crap out of each other, and buildings are damaged, whole cities are destroyed and we'll get to that but but the boring part and people i had some people when i said that this movie was boring say what do you mean there was all this action it's like you know people beating on each other when literally you can't see any effect where it's like zod and superman go at it and they they go at it so hard and they aren't bloodied they are I mean occasionally they they like fall down and then they get up and they kind of shake their head but there's there's no sense yeah. that that um you know like in a video game there's like a little power bar and the power bar is going down there's absolutely no sense that uh, we're progressing and so instead it's just like I don't even know what I'm watching there's the, the, to what end is this fight happening if well, nobody yeah, is getting it, hurt it, it doesn't make
2: sense it? because it's like all right I punched him it didn't seem to do anything. But if I punch him harder, maybe that will. Now, that didn't do anything. Let me try again. What if I throw him again? Like, yeah,
0: and there's a the point where you feel like this. they would
2: just get really tired and just be like. All right, let's just like five minute breaks. Well,
0: they, they don't get tired, they just get bored. But they have like yeah. the tool they use in this movie is you just put the people Superman cares about in peril. Like, that's the usual move is you know, you get Lois Lane, you get his mother, or whatever, and then something is finally at stake because, yeah, Superman can't get hurt, but right, can exactly. he save, you know, whoever or whatever? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a cheap ploy, but at least that's something. But yeah, them just hitting each other and everything, especially since both of them seem to be motivated by anger as if like (laughs) if I just get angrier when I do this, it will have a different effect, but I I don't see how you can get away from the property damage because that, I think undercuts Superman's character in general and for the, and for the earlier part of this movie. So, so much that it just, right. There's a great,
2: a great review. I read this morning by uh, Scott Lynch, the fantasy author, um, where he wrote a very long review of man of steel. And I think he nailed this perfectly. Like, you know, this is Superman, right? He's not going to, he would move the fight. He would go somewhere else Where people would not not get hurt. Exactly. Over
0: the ocean. Go to the moon. he He would not engage. You know.
3: This is the big point of contention that that I think has more than any other element of the movie. People tied up in knots one way or another, and the. The reason that I, I mentioned to you, Jason, that I think I think I came uh, I came I ended up coming down on the Inako side of things, which I'm making a lot of assumptions uh, about Andy's opinion.
1: He said that it had problems, but that it was what a superhero movie was supposed to be. Which, as I said to my wife in the car driving back from dinner tonight, uh, this movie is so vastly inferior to the Avengers. But Andy's not here to defend it, so so go ahead, Moises. So. For
3: me, for me the, uh, the thing that happens with these fights that is so counter to what our expectations should be of Superman is that, no, he does not move the fight to site B that doesn't have a bunch of helpless people in the way and so on and so forth. But the framing of the movie sets it up such that, well, Superman hasn't really had a fight of this scale to deal with. And as unsatisfying as it is to a lot of people, uh, some much more than others— uh, unsatisfying to me that there, there's all this destruction, all this death, all of these innocents that are dying not uh, near him or because of stuff that's happening with him, but because of him, because he's somehow not able to save them. To some extent, he's killing them. He's not
0: just not saving them. He is yeah.
3: literally killing them he, by crashing,
0: by punching Azad through a building filled with people. All of those people in the building die.
3: This, this is the massive. The massive consequence moment that we haven't gotten in Superman origin stories previously, where he is, uh, he is not. He's he's willfully not paying attention to the amount of destruction that he himself is causing. That's the
0: movie. That's the movie you wanted to see, but that's not the movie they put on the screen. Because on the screen, they had him occasionally saving some token person to remind you that he's Superman, and on the screen, they didn't have him looking at any point and saying, "Oh my God, look what I've done! I've killed half this city." They like they didn't do that. They didn't they didn't put it in the movie.
1: It's not that he didn't take it to site B. We never saw him try to take it to site Or B. or regret. Yeah. Nor or regret is there a consequence. He, he never right. regretted it. He exactly. never
0: like but they like I said, in the middle of the fight they had him try to like save some random person and they had like the the Daily Planet people be in, in stupid peril briefly because the smushy machine was coming and it was like like what's the point of that so some, and the superman going off to the side and saving somebody depending on your bent you're like okay oh i wish he did more of that i wish he had i wish he was saving people like the old superman so that's one way to go and the other way to go is that's not what I think they should be doing here. Instead, they should have him losing control of his power and destroying everybody and regretting it. And if he's going to be regretting it, why is he taking time out to save some token character in the middle of the fight? Right. Because like they were, they're working at odds. And I don't, I don't feel like that the movie you wanted to see, Moises, it was, it wasn't on the screen. It was in your head.
3: And that's the thing is, is where I wanted that moment of regret to come by the end of this movie. As su- supremely counterintuitive as it sounds, I feel like they are setting that up as the inciting incident of the next movie. Which I think is ridiculous and terrible, and the
1: most corporate mm-hmm. way to make movies. So that makes this movie a failure, but they they're set up for the second movie to be a redemption. Well, well it's like it.
0: the Dark Knight, where it's like, oh, now they hate me, but I had to do it to save the city. Exactly. There's no, but again, there's no indication of that.
1: It's not in the movie. No, I, I had a, a bunch of people who mentioned this to me on Twitter, and I and I have to had to keep saying it's there's not in the movie. It's not there. You you can you can imagine that You're he was projecting. really trying to move it and he uh-huh. couldn't, or he was trying to save people or whatever. The the fact is... ...the two action fingers bang up against each other. And I gotta say it... uh, ...a movie with this scale of destruction... ...and The Avengers is like this too... ...anytime you have building destruction on this level... ...in an urban setting... It's gonna be nine eleven in people's minds. People know how many people die in scenarios like this. And although the Avengers did a lot of property damage, this one goes. I mean, they essentially nuke blocks of Metropolis yeah. in this movie. And, and what's worse is, in the Avengers, they're trying to stop it. In Superman, he is they're hitting causing Zod, it, and they are causing whole buildings to collapse around them. And and I kept waiting for the it, wow, this is really dark. Is there gonna be a payoff? And in the end. No, it's sort of like Superman will get oogie feelings if he sees Zod burn this little family. And so then he breaks his neck, which is a whole other story about Superman killing somebody, which is not a Superman kind of thing to do. I, but, I Yeah, but that doesn't we bother got, me. We got, oh, I nearly me. as mu- I mean, it, it doesn't bother me nearly as much as the as the thousands tens of thousands of people who died in this fight because these two guys couldn't take it elsewhere (laughs) hey take it outside no no fighting in here because they just decided to beat on each other and it didn't matter that the humans were all dying around them, which completely undercut Superman's character. And that that, that,
0: fam- that family up against the wall, by the way, is the second incident in recent memory uh, in which people in peril in a movie could have been saved by casually walking in a different direction. Other yeah. Than being, <laughs> other one being
1: Prometheus. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, this movie had a Prometheus moment too, where it's like that building is coming. The Daily Planet building is coming down. Barry White, go to the side, and he does finally go to the side. Yeah, well, yeah, but the, but it was a Prometheus moment. From the
0: laser rays. Walk casually to your left. There was a little
1: rubble.
2: There. It's like, jump over the rubble. You just could just get out walk
0: forward five steps, then take a left. You're fine. Yeah. Instead, we could just cower together and hope that Superman well, turns see, that guy's head.
2: Here, here's the thing. I got I to talk about the death thing for a minute, and maybe yeah. I'm jumping ahead. But I, I got to bring this up because this bothered me, and not just from the perspective of, okay, you know Superman. He doesn't kill people, and that's kind of a central tenet. It bothers me for two reasons. One, well, the main reason being it, it's unearned. Um, there 's nothing all of the advice he gets is don 't tell anybody because like they 'll like try to hurt you right like his dad keeps telling him like maybe you shouldn 't reveal yourself and his dad tells him don 't engage right he 's already engaged by this point he has literally thrown sob through every single building he can find in metropolis by that point he has already overcome what should have been the difficult decision which is do I fight back right the The, the issue is not his dad 's not like don 't kill people because like you know we kind of get that one it 's ingrained his dad is no you don 't need to, you know, you don't need to get involved in a conflict, right? You're better than that. And that's the Superman thing, event you know, like, more than anything, is, like, you know you can wipe the floor with guys, you know, don't, you you are better than that. And so, the killing felt offhanded and dumb and like you know it, to me especially having and i mentioned this in our superhero draft is that we recorded at some point that, that um, you'll listen to that you'll few listen to weeks, in the future well promotion. that i've been watching a, a lot of the justice league cartoon and they deal with this same issue in that and they deal with it way better which is that superman eventually like in a in a parallel universe superman kills lex Luthor because he gets to the point where he's like I just keep putting him away, like, in you know, in jail or whatever. And he just keeps getting out and beating the system. And sooner or later, the writers made him
1: do it eventually. Can I question the logic, too, which is up until now, these guys, I I, I find it unclear what really kills a Kryptonian when they're <laughs> un, in Earths. I mean, there's the, yeah. the woman who is killed because she loses her mask and it makes her all weird. But I thought that didn't kill them. Or is it because she got, like, hit? when her mask was off and then zod again these guys do so much damage to each other except they do no damage right uh well uh, broken logic and MacGuffins. but that's what does it but then you could break his neck in the end so that's the one thing that you can do so when that happened i was like oh i guess he can die by a broken neck and his bones aren't invulnerable like the rest he of it did,
0: he didn't solar charge up to full capacity to use the battery analogy
1: yeah or the ultraman analogy <laughs> like, i guess like, like well, the <laughs> outside
0: the outside was invulnerable but it hadn't already gone through to it
2: well this. and then we get back to my same problem that i mentioned with russell crowe at the top which is like this guy is like the cream of the crop of the warriors and some kid who you know didn't even grow up on krypton in theory, can be well, him. no, but this, he's
0: got—he was the natural birth, and he's not inferior like the machine. That's the whole—you know—it's starting thing to sound anything, a little Nazi-ish. Where, yeah, anything made by machine is inferior to the natural one. So it's going to be the, the kid who was
1: born the right way. Is he's going to
2: Jesus, be, you know, and let's yeah, let's be clear—we haven't even talked. Too. We haven't barely no, talked about on that. The he's Jesus. thirty-three years old,
1: and that when he falls out of the spaceship,
2: he doesn't cross, of like cross, and, cross and he sits in the church in front of the stained glass window of Jesus at Gethsemane, no less. Yeah, well,
3: you know, hero with a thousand. And faces and everything. No, uh, uh, Jason. I, I like like I, uh, I, I interjected. I think uh, broken logic and MacGuffins is is the way that all of that stuff works. Um, they they contradicted so much of the stuff that they set up themselves and stuff that they didn't even set up terrifically clearly. And it just seemed like it was uh, serving serving a function of the plot that you know. Well, at this point, so and so has to die somehow. So we're just gonna use a science thing. <laughs> science armor, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna use a science thing, and the science thing is gonna make uh alien person go bye bye.
1: Yeah, you know some people were um you know, there was a great debate when we talked about Star Trek Into Darkness, and a lot of people were complaining about the plot holes, and and you know I'm sure there are, are plot holes in this movie too, a plenty. But again, if you're enjoying it, it kind of doesn't matter. And my my problem with this movie is that is that I. I didn't take that ride because I kept getting jarred out of it by these things that that frustrated me and they weren't just about the plot machinations not working but it's like this isn't explained I don't know what I'm watching I don't know why what I mean it's like I'm going to watch them fight until the movie decides they shouldn't fight anymore. And that's not. I like some internally consistent explanation for why they're fighting and why the fight ends. And
2: I, I you know, I never really got one that was satisfying to me. Well, that and combined with this, this movie wins an award for me for most number of good actors squandered in crappy, like side roles. Get three you know, lines. La- and there Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence,
1: why is Lawrence? I mean, he's in there maybe for another movie, so we can see, so we can see how much weight he's put on.
2: And, well, yeah, it doesn't matter. He's still a great actor, but they give him nothing to do. Richard Schiff gets like three scenes of like science jargon. Lo-
0: Lois Lane has like five lines. I mean, it seems like nobody had yeah. a-, a lot of scenery chewing lines. And in fact, it seemed like the people at the beginning of the movie on Krypton had more lines, but they're, you know, and that was not that was inconsequential.
2: Well, well, and then there's the issue of, I mean, maybe it's because I'm a writer and I'm a fan of good writing, <laughs> but like, there's <laughs> if you if you were like, what's your favorite quote from this movie? Like the Batman movies, I think even have you know they have like good lines, right? You know, there's some there's some humor, there's, you know, some, some yeah. jibes here and Lack there. Lack of
0: humor was a problem in this yeah. movie. Yeah, there's very yeah. little yeah.
2: humor, there's very little in the way of dialogue that you're when, like...
0: When, when there's more humor in a Nolan Batman movie, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> the most damning thing I can say about this that just occurred to me when I was thinking about the action scenes is that the action scene in Superman Returns, the pretty much universally reviled earlier Superman reboot, where he... Where he saves, the, where the jetliner is going down. Oh, yeah, he yeah, to yeah. Save the yeah. People. That action scene was better than any of the action scenes in this movie. Agreed. I agree completely. Not just, not just because it was interesting dynamically and, you know, like a well-executed action scene, but because it showed Superman, like what they were trying to do this movie. It showed Superman not quite sure how to be Superman. And it showed the difficulty of, so what? You're Superman. It's still actually not that easy to save people, which, <laughs> physics, again, is supposed to be Superman's. <laughs> <laughs> Which is supposed to be Superman's character. So here is the—I mean, I know there wasn't—it was supposed to be the post Christopher Reeve Superman, but it's, it read more like uh, inexperienced Superman, not quite either knowing or remembering how to do the Superman thing, and it's actually pretty hard to do. So you had. You had that same thing where like, oh, this is Superman for the first time deciding to be Superman and fighting and not knowing you're not supposed to knock over buildings. Well, here he was trying to save people in a plane and the plane's coming apart and he's trying to save people. and He's not in danger. His main danger is I'm going to screw up this rescue. I'm not going to save these people. And when a scene in Superman Returns is better than your action scenes in this movie, there's real problems here. <laughs> that's the,
2: that's that first first ten minutes of that movie is you know it goes downhill pretty rapidly after that.
3: Uh, man, I don't get all the Superman Returns hate. Like I didn't I, I dislike it, either, it that but, much but it, when I
2: saw it the first time, and it seems like I've been trained to dislike it more as it's the years a little ago, boring. Like, but I haven't, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen it again since I saw it in the movie it's, theater. It's uneven,
0: but like I, I look at it more fondly now having seen this one. Burn.
1: Well, plus it was a it was an homage to those movies that I remember right. fondly from, from when I was a kid, and this is a, a reboot, and and you know, and it's Zach, you know, uh, we're, we're running out of time, but Zach Snyder is a problem director. He he, and I we we did a whole you could episode have stopped about before Watchmen. director. You know, he's probably he is a menace. Um, <laughs> he must be stopped. He's he he. I, I hate to say he's kind of like the. The superhero genre is Michael Bay, but he no, come on, that's okay, that's, not, that's harsh. That's a lot, I know that's that's, that's harsh much. even for me.
0: Three hundred was good, right?
1: I apologize to Michael Shannon's mom and <laughs> to Zack Snyder's mom <laughs> for the terrible things I've said about them.
3: I would I would take the good and the bad with what you just said about comparing him to Michael Bay, because what he excels at is the iconic look of stuff. But like what what Dan and John were saying, there's 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 barely any dialogue involved it's this is iconic shot of lois lane and here's yeah. superman saving her and here's iconic shot of this and all the framing he, of it
1: he has bad tendencies i mean he takes some some he's working with some fairly intelligent people like david goyer and john and uh, christopher nolan and yet i get this feeling that like when Zack snyder walks into the room everybody's iq drops 20 points well and, he's and, got
2: that weird thing where he's got that weird instinct to say you know what um, I'm going to try and put a different spin on this, but it's really clumsy and ham fisted. He, he's got, because like what Watchmen needed a little more darkness at the end. And Superman, you know, needed a little more yeah. lightness. A little like, more
1: subtext, a little less well,
2: text. I mean, and it was one of those things where it's like, every time he takes a property, he's like, no, I, I don't think it's quite good. I got to put my stamp on it or whatever. Or he just thinks he's being clever and he's not being clever. Like, he does it really, really broadly and obviously when he tries to throw a twist in. And it's just sort of like, yeah, you didn't commit to that, though. You just, you you changed, like, you 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 held true to the ideals for like 90% of the thing. And then you changed 10%, but you just like, you flipped it like 180 degrees thinking that would make you clever. And what it just makes it is disjointed. And yeah. to your point, Dan,
3: the thing, the thing that I kept thinking was he decides to do less is more in exactly the wrong places <laughs> in precisely exactly precisely the wrong places where, yep in the the Zod Superman exchange you know the you're a monster and i'm going to stop you because i'm superman you know the the so corny it wouldn't have been in the 1950s adventures of superman show <laughs> ouch there they could have done Burn. less is more with you know, with, with with giving Zod four words to say and having Superman's response just be no, and then they start hitting each other like action figures again, and that would have played a whole lot better than, now I am going to declare my intent and act on my intent. Nah. You need, to have, you need to front load the talking.
0: You need to have talky, talky, talky so that when the fighting comes, everyone's motivation and hangups and what's at right. stake is clear because you did right. all the talking before. Like the lowest relationship with him, like they didn't. They said like five <laughs> words to each other yeah, and, and yeah. by the end of the movie it doesn't make any sense. Just, you know,
2: I'm rolling my eyes at that point because it's like, uh, I mean, you're getting not away earned. with the fact, the shorthand that it's Superman and Lois Lane. But like you did right. not no, earn that either. Yeah. <laughs> no. She kisses everybody who cauterizes her with her eye. With her eye. The beams. weirdest. The weirdest thing for me is that
3: their version of giving us enough Clark was not the version of giving us enough Clark that I think makes it work cohesively all around in the best way. Where the and setting aside the whole journalist thing and how that's just kind of a grace note at the end. The <laughs> duality of the character is yeah. just it, it's. It's explored in a different way than I think... Is the reason that it's worked archetypally in seventeen thousand different retellings of this origin story over the last seventy five years?
1: But I, I do like that they tried something different, and I, I, yeah. I it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I kind of get a I kind of get a kick out of
2: that. It's the it's the it's the noble failure thing, I think, which is like yeah. he really tried. He just didn't, you know, like great a for effort, but he didn't yeah. execute well. And 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 again,
3: you know, I I don't I don't think that my opinion is exactly what Andy's was, but in I'm thinking in,
2: not. Well, where where well here's
3: the thing is where I agree with him where I very much agree with him yes.
1: I wanted to sum up everybody's take on the movie so why don't we you you get the first crack okay all right good and then everybody can contradict me and, and tell me I'm wrong <laughs> you um, get to go
2: first it's our show Guess <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> go first
3: in in the this is this is how a superhero movie is made okay littered with uh issues that we have with the canon alterations that were made issues with characterization issues with uh massive opportunities just not taken to flesh out different characters and all this stuff we will have a thousand of these different uh microscopic arguments about different elements of the film then there are the bigger issues where in my heart of hearts the way that they've been setting this stuff up and the way they talk about it in the press yes i have imagined a beginning to the second movie that probably should have ended up at the end of this movie to make it less like Superman is totally okay that he murdered all of these thousands of people. Um, and right. actually, Lex Luthor
1: comes out and says what we're all saying well, here, That's right? No,
3: that exa- that's exactly the setup, <laughs> and that's exactly what they've kind of talked their way toward. In addition to, you know, greenlighting the next Man of Steel movie and moving toward it very quickly, they're not doing separate movies for other major DC heroes. They're going to do the Justice League movie and let them split off of that. For me, the reason that it works in terms of what they're trying to set up and the stories that they are trying to tell is setting aside how personally invested I am with all the stuff that I think they ripped off or didn't do as well as they could or opportunities where, well, if I were writing the movie, um, I think they are setting themselves up for placing these characters in the modern day with consequences that for the love of God, if they do not do something with the consequences of 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 Kal El, uh, doing what he does in the climax of the movie, you know. If they don't do that, well, then then everything that I'm saying, all the support that I'm trying to give them, is totally lost.
1: <laughs> so what what you're saying is that you you like this movie as a strategy by the movie studio, but not actually. I mean, you're I, I don't hear you saying you like the movie. You're saying you like how they've strategically placed their franchise. It, it's I, I like how they've strategically played the chess pieces so
3: that. The overlong Krypton thing that sets up the kind of space weird stuff that Marvel's having to tack on at the end and explain that yeah, there's a bunch of mystical wacky
1: crap. Okay, going on. I I I don't disagree with all of that, but I come back to is this movie a good actually a good movie or is it just a franchise play? Then in your mind, is this a good movie or is it just an interesting strategic move?
3: I think it's a good movie with major character flaws that I like despite itself.
2: All right. You went first.
3: I'm conflicted. I'm I'm conflicted, but I liked
2: it. All right, Dan. I don't have the same kind of faith. <laughs> Maybe just because I I mean, I, I so much of it to me comes back to this idea of of in in the word and I think the words that I hear John use so many times it's, it's just not earned, right? Like there's so much stuff in here that's like you you want to do a paint by numbers superman movie and so you got to check the boxes and you got to have this and that he's got to fly he's got to have lois lane he's got to you know be all good and everything you got to have krypton all that and it just it felt like i i wanted there to be a more cohesive it wasn't just that i wanted the characters in the modern age i wanted the storytelling to come into the modern age because there is a way that movies are made now. And it's different from the way that movies were made in the seventies when they made the, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Um, and so you want to see the sort of modern sensibilities in the same way that I think we, we like to see casino Royale, as we mentioned earlier, was very much a James Bond for the 2000s rather than a James Bond from the 60s or 70s. There's a different flavor. There's a different tone. It's got to be grittier to a certain extent because we, you know, you've got such savvy movie watchers now as opposed to 30 or 40 years ago. Um, And I felt that it just didn't, it executed poorly on a lot of these. And as much as I really wanted to like uh, a lot of the ingredients, it came together in a way that just ended up being, kind of unsatisfactory i mean my favorite scenes from the movie are probably the last two scenes in the movie which is the the scene where he confronts the gen he blows up the drone right and confronts the general because there's a little humor there's a little interplay i liked the bit about like how do we know you won't turn against us well i grew up in kansas you know (laughs) like like there's something funny about that and and i appreciate it and even the fact that you know it's weird to talk about the idea of there being consequences down the road when the last scene you see of him in the movie is like looking all gee shucks you know like yeah <laughs> and eager to start at the daily planet it's like no we just ignored. like they got a the, new building i incidentally, guess yeah like... where was the building and also were there just a lot of reporters who were killed and maybe yeah, they just I had a lot of openings it. they all were crushed under rubble by the smushy <laughs> thing is, is there anything left to cover uh well, the um,
1: rebuilding of the center of metropolis, I yeah, guess. It's, I'm just
2: saying, once you've discovered alien life, I think that pretty much takes over your news cycle for a while. Um so I don't know. I just there's a lot of good ingredients here. I liked Henry Cavill. I wanted I wanted more. I wanted there to be And I think John nailed it like there's no, there's no writing like I, I think if you condensed it down, it's like what, a two and a half hour movie? There's probably less than an hour of dialogue, is my guess. Yeah. I think like, this movie could
1: be much better if it was a half an hour shorter. And I know people say that a lot, but I feel like this is a movie where I could take, I could literally take the footage that's on the screen and, and just cut clip it, clip parts
2: out. Yep. And make yeah. it a better movie. Re- rearrange it, it for my mind it's too. All,
1: but... It's all it's There's too much. Things go on. We didn't even say. I mean, things go on way too long. Even even if you do like the destruction fights, they don't need to be as long as they are. It's,
2: it's that scene where after they you know th- fly the plane into the thing and they're like, "We won. It's over." And then General Zod gets up and you're like, "Really? We're gonna uh, do more?" War. And then there's like another 20 minutes of them bashing each other, and it's like. Already seen this, guys. <laughs> like, like a few times now. Dan, you said something about a gritty, and I, I,
1: I, that's one way to go. I don't think these movies must be gritty. I think that no, this I... is trying to remake the magic of the Nolan Batman series. Because I mean, right. I think one of the best superhero movies of the last five or ten years is Iron Man, which is great sunny and funny and doesn't take itself too seriously and in many ways i mean i've said on this podcast i like a good example i like iron man better than the dark knight uh they came out the same summer i I thought iron man was better and it was light I, i don't think you have to go dark and you know it's a different kind of superman story to tell and maybe it was wise of them to mix it up i did like that they took it in a different direction i'm not sure i mean those Christopher Reeve movies were so light and sunny and funny that maybe they needed to do something different for fear of not being accused of just ripping those off.
2: Well, and I think you're right that with Nolan on board, they they want to capitalize, especially totally. if they are going to do a Justice League thing. That there is a certain continuity of tone. They are maybe for DC I, yeah. versus Marvel, sure. right? Like Marvel's got its tone, like. Marvel's done an awesome job of establishing what is a Marvel superhero movie, right? If anything, the
3: biggest problem is that Superman's groundwork was already laid for it by what they did in the Batman trilogy, and they had to somehow put them in the same world. Not to mention what they did in Green Lantern, which really, if you just think about these three (laughs) movies, they really tie together. Apparently, they're pretending Green Lantern didn't happen. Yeah, well, Well, even Ryan Reynolds didn't like
1: Green Lantern. So... The the uh, you're right and there's that differentiation of product to get to what Moises was saying about product strategy is if Marvel it's gone with this, this God, make make me sound like more of a marketing this, jerk this, well no I'm just I mean that th- that is an aspect this is big business too it is not just art it is commerce but and if Marvel is going with the John Favreau Joss Whedon uh, Shane Black. Uh, kind of, kind of tone of these movies. Uh, on one level, uh, you know, you might say at DC and, and Warner Brothers, you might say, well, we need to we Dark night stick our own just, ground. Let's right? go with that. Let's let's provide an alternative. Right. I, I'm just saying that when when Dad says you you sort of have to get have to be either dark or strong word. Uh, you don't have I think to, but they chose yeah. to.
2: Well, it's got to be. It's the gritty part is less intem- less important to me than the the contemporary part, right? It's got to have certainly. your modern sensibilities. Can be the jokey, funny stuff yeah. that they do in the Marvel side because that's very much you know your Joss Whedon yeah. you know style. But you know, there's a difference between you couldn't do the movie the, the way you did yeah, it 30 years ago.
1: The modernity of this movie is one of the things I like about it. I like. I that agree. they Try to try to make it. Up, it's up coming in. in over the RSS feeds, Jason. Uh, I know. I you're a monster Dan and I will <laughs> stop you. Um John Syracuse, uh you know, you've we've sort of gotten your vibe, uh but I wonder if you want to uh, give us a, just a little overview of your I, I, final thoughts.
0: I think people get get thrown off by my vibe because if you remember the Avengers movie, I was I at, at various times defending the movie, but then I, when we asked to grade it at the end, I gave it a C, which I I still stand by. And uh, this, looking at this movie, comparing it to The Avengers and Star Trek, I think it, it makes a nice continuum. So The Avengers, I could not really take seriously. A lot of the Marvel movies, I have trouble taking seriously. Uh, and not taking them seriously allows me to enjoy the stupid fun and the Joss Whedon lines and the ridiculousness without being bothered about the other parts of it. So that's like, don't take seriously, but it's fun. Star Trek uh, is fun. And I have fun watching it, and it also lets me take it seriously a little bit. Like, I get wrapped up in it a little bit. I start to feel for the characters or whatever, and that's, that's you know, that's the ideal. You want to, you want the movie, at least I want the movie to make me take it seriously, but also be fun if it's appropriate for the movie or whatever. But it really needs to pull me in. I can't, it can't keep me at a distance with ridiculous Marvel things that I'm just not really that into and, you know, whatever, right? This movie... From especially from the trailers, the trailers this movie were making. This was going to be my most anticipated movie of the year. Contrast is to to the Star Trek, where the trailers get did nothing for me, and I was like, oh, this is not going to be that great. So that was a pleasant surprise. This one, I was going in with expectations because those trailers really connected with me, and I did take this movie seriously, more seriously than Avengers, but then it wasn't fun. And me taking it seriously just brought, like, it disappointed me. Like, you're trying to bring me in, but you're failing to do it. There's not enough script. You're not pulling off the traditional story arc. You're not pulling off the much more advanced move of, of chopping it up. It's just not working for me. And you're making me take it seriously. And there's actually not that much in the movie t- for me to, to be light and enjoyable, like if I had disengaged from it. And so that put a, a bad taste in my mouth. But I give it, I'm I'm almost th- thinking of giving it a better grade than Avengers, like a B- minus or something, because like Avengers just kept me at a distance and, and it was like fun. And I watched it again with my son. It's like, Oh, it's there. It's whatever, you know, whereas is this because, movie, like, is it, it because Avengers you. was
3: kind of a series of meetings?
0: Well, I mean, like, it's just, I it's not, it's so clearly, like, the characters are so ridiculous. There's no r- real rules in the universe. The individual movies for the, I, I felt like, at this point, I feel like I enjoyed watching Thor more than The Avengers, ooh, which is, like, sacrilege, because uh, Thor was just, mm, Thor was just ridiculous. It was like, it was like uh, one of those terrible shows that Dan watches on, on CW or whatever. Hey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what no, Thor was. I was like John, I will Thor. say, I think fundamentally, the more superheroes you add to a movie, the more level of ridiculousness you're going to get, because you know this movie only has the one they don't don't
0: match up you know (laughs) you can't you can't have all these superheroes in the same movie but so but so this one like i it could have done something and i saw what it was going for and the fact that it didn't attain it left me more disappointed Uh, but i think if i had to grade the movie and take myself out of it i'm going to say that uh, because this movie actually made me want to take it seriously I have to, I have to give it a higher grade than I would. That's give like the, the trailer.
1: That's like the trailer did that job.
0: Well, no, the movie itself, like the Krypton thing, I was yeah, on board, but then first it, just, it just didn't, it just didn't pull it off. And like, and speaking of like the what they're going to do with the character in the movie that we imagined that was there, it's kind of like imagining the Qui Gon movie, that, you know, that yeah. doesn't exist. And <laughs> <in, or somewhere. laughs> yeah. imagining this movie where he's conflicted, like. They did so many things to undercut that. Like thinking of the scene where, like, he's he's conflicted as a child and doesn't know how to act and doesn't know what he's going to do. And he, and even as an adult, he's still hiding. Doesn't want to reveal his powers. Is conflicted about the death of his father and everything like that. But then he he allows himself to be captured and confidently strolls up to the thing and says to the military guy, "You don't control me and you never will." Where does this wherewithal come from? How does he switch on a dime to say, "I'm conflicted. I don't know want to reveal my face." Oh, I've got a totally a plan. I'm going to be Christopher Reeves for three seconds. Oh, I'm conflicted again. Oh, now I'm Christopher Reeves again. It's it. They didn't commit to the story they could have done, and the execution was poor. Uh, but the there are good parts of this movie yes, in, in the, that don't have to do with the script. You know, like, that have to do with just the yes. visuals. I really love the actor, the guy who plays Superman. I really loved him. I thought he was great. He just was given nothing to do, and he was trapped in this movie that made him do weird things that were contradictory and didn't come to anything. So there you go.
1: So what we've learned is that parts of this movie— parts of this movie not involving the script were good and that it was a good business <laughs> calculation by the movie studio um you know what i said earlier I'll, I'll stick by which is i think that that the avengers is a much better movie than this in the sense that i think the avengers succeeds as a movie and even though we can argue about uh how why it succeeds and at what level it succeeds i can watch that and i have watched it several times since and i enjoy what i'm watching and I have a good time. Whereas it, this movie, it does this it movie just made do. me mad because this movie had those good things that made it promising, and then in the end, I felt like it squandered it, and it went back to be- bashing the uh bashing the action figures against each other. And honestly, I-, I was wavering on the movie before all the fight scenes, and the fight scenes murdered it for me because the fight scenes were leaden; they were boring. Um, they they showed none of the nuance and promise and interest that we got in those better scenes and better visuals that happened earlier, and we're left with, you know, Zack Snyder and his action figures and people in these collapsing buildings dying all over the city. And I'm I'm sorry, you can't ignore that like it didn't happen. And and for whatever reason, I don't blame the Avengers for all of the collapsed buildings in the Avengers. Well, because but you're I not blame... taking
0: it seriously either. You're like, well, whatever. It's silly.
1: It's the Avengers. There's a god there with a hammer. Come on. <laughs> they're desperately trying to stop, stop. it, though. Yeah, and I yeah, never defending. felt that Superman was trying to stop the destruction. He was just fighting a guy. So for me, it, this movie is is interesting because... It tried more stuff than The Avengers, maybe, in some ways, and did some really interesting things, but in the end, it lost me, and it made me dislike the movie, even though there are things—and and I, I feel like I'm coming along stronger, coming on stronger than I, I maybe feel about this. I don't hate this movie, but— I I'm my feelings are strongly mixed about it because there are things that I liked that sort of set me up to think favorably for the movie and then I felt so let down by the swing of what happened at the end that it made me um, more infuriated about it than if I had just thought it was middling all the way through. Because middling, I could be like, yeah, it was fine, it was insubstantial, which is sort of what you're saying about the Avengers. And you just go, yeah, it's fine. Whereas this one, it was like, got my hopes up and dashed them. And I, I hate it when that happens. So that's 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 my take on it. Is I, I, I think uh, Moises is absolutely right about I think maybe this movie is weaker than it should be because of the machinations of how they wanted to set up a franchise. And I think that's shameful because yeah. uh, you've got to judge the movie as a movie first. And the fact that Superman is there for all this destruction and then it's essentially never dealt with again is... Um, problematic to say the least So uh, but but I don't want to Completely castigate the movie because I think we've all said here there's some really Interesting good things about this movie If somebody asks I, I've been struggling with the, the Whole uh, Siskel and Ebert thumbs up Thumbs down thing uh, my friend Jeff Anderson Who's a movie critic Uh, Gave it two and a half stars, which is essentially the, oh, almost a recommendation, but not. And I'm sort of in that ballpark, which is I'm sort of like, if you like superhero movies, you should see Man of Steel. I think there's interesting stuff in it, and it'll certainly make you think about what you just saw. And you may not like it, but uh, you you might. But if you don't like it, you'll still have a lot to chew on. And I think that's where I end up on this movie. Is like I kind of recommend that people who like this kind of movie see it. It's cuz i think there's interesting stuff in it even if i came out of it thinking sort of like i did with inception actually thinking on balance i thought about it for a week and then i decided yeah i actually didn't like it but, but, no I, one need, but
0: no one needs to see inception come on
1: yeah no i don't recommend people see inception but i do recommend that that superhero movie fans and and sci-fi movie fans go see man of steel if you if you think you might like this kind of movie cuz you'll certainly have a lot to think about and you may and like talk it. about and talk about but in the end that doesn't make me feel any less sort of disappointed and let down by it
3: well if 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 i can say touching on on kind of the way that that john uh, looked at it as kind of as a movie and as you know as compared to avengers the the way that i kind of think about it is as a movie i think it i i think it actually w- works as a movie itself but separating out the notion of it as a superman origin story movie that like that's where a lot of my confliction comes from because I love a lot of the things they changed. Some of the other stuff that they changed really struck me as weird, and because I am so used to the consequences being self contained in the same movie itself and not coming after, where and and and, and I know you keep you keep uh, you keep hammering me on this, but but to the point of well you know why wasn't that in this movie. Well where were the consequences of all of those poor independent contractors being murdered in a new hope working on the death star Oh yeah well that's true what happened to all of those people that the rebels they, killed there's no they, character they in that died.
0: movie who is known for saving the population those people
3: chose to work
0: for the They're empire working they, for the bad guy Yeah exactly these it's, are just you know, people not bad, bad
1: their life own decisions
3: the the point the point is more yeah. to consequences it's more to well
1: your expectation is that that has to be self-contained in the story. For me, Moi says the- if there were if there were scenes about the regular Joes working on the Death Star, and this is actually something the <laughs> Robot Chicken episodes do really, really well. Then you then you're like, oh yeah, those people died. That's really sad. But the point is, in this movie, I mean, I'm sorry. After 9 11, you cannot show urban destruction like this yeah. without having every single person there know that there are thousands of innocent people dying. You can't. You can't do it. But this is actually one of the reasons I like. And I, we'll go off on a tangent here, so we shouldn't. But one of the reasons I like the movie Cloverfield, which is found footage and problematic in those ways. I like ways. that one too. What I like yeah. Cloverfield for is that Cloverfield is the superposition of Godzilla and 9-11 and it makes you suddenly find it far more horrific but you can't just have it happen never comment on it have the scale of the family in the Grand Central Station be the only scale that you see that
2: seems to matter and then never address it again. It's just you can't do it. Well you and that's can't. what I'm talking about when, you're ta- when you have a, f- a movie that's modern, right? Like there is, a, there is a contemporary sensibility in terms of the context that we're watching it in, like, the, and when I say movies weren't made in the '70s like they're made in the 2000s, it's absolutely true because we have a different perspective. I mean, at that point, we were dealing with the aftermath of Vietnam, and, you know, Watergate, and all those sorts of things. You you take a different uh, impression of a movie. It's made in a different era. It absorbs different things from those what's going on around it. And and I think you're right. You can't, you know, maybe 50 years from now, if somebody goes back and watches Man of Steel, they might not have that same contextual, you know. F- feeling to bring to it because they didn't live through the era, but you know on that the front, destruction I think before still... is
1: like a team violence you'd have people crawling out of rubble right, and be right, like and they're sure. okay whereas post 9-11 you get like in cloverfield where the building kind of leans on the side of another building and you actually have to show all the people trying to escape from the leaning building because we know there are people in there and you can't right. avoid it
3: well and and to to some extent and you know i i'm sure this will be classified as overreaching i'm 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 predicting my own downfall. <laughs> um I really I really feel like the brutality of it and this is something that that uh, that loads of directors from like the 70s and so on have t- have said about modern cinema about how we're brutalizing the audience with these movies. I feel like you can't you can't do a Superman movie without some sort of big action-packed fight and I'm not talking about the exact context of the way that the fight was was carried out. I'm not saying you have to do it with that kind of loss of life and that kind of carelessness on the part of a hero that is so well known for always being there and always pulling somebody out of the rubble and, oh, he saved thousands of people. I really, in my heart of hearts, felt like those stakes were there purposely. And yeah, it's awful and it's terrible. And I, I wanted to use an explicit tag word uh, to describe it, mm-hmm. that that Superman doesn't seem like he cares it lands with him that it, it just happened and he's basically ignored it. But I almost wonder if that wasn't part of the point of why they handled the way that they did in 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 the way that they're changing things. And, and you can like that or not like it, but the way in which I appreciated it is that, that's something that is so rarely addressed in these, and certainly isn't really in Avengers. Avengers is basically, some of these superpowered people are basically super-military, and they're kind of doing what they can, and they're never shown as causing something that might have killed somebody, but that doesn't right. mean that they didn't necessarily kill someone, and this is actually... Putting more real world stakes on what happens when a man with the powers of a god is flying around fighting a dude with the same kind of destructive power, except and- it's never
1: it's never paid off. Again, I, I would I think it could have uh, we're talking about squandered potential if 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 we had seen that at any point. But I feel like w- what's really happening here is not. I mean, we can rationalize it, and and, and, I, and I feel like that's sort of what you are doing. I look at this and think, you know, Zack Snyder wasn't interested in any of the consequences. He just wanted stuff to blow up. He showed, They showed Superman after when he took out the drone. He seemed fine. He seemed not
0: broken up about killing all those people at all. He's just like, don't, do taking out your drones. Don't try to find me. Ha ha. He seemed fine. You know, like they showed him after, you know?
3: And then he goes and works in a newspaper. It's great. And This is a character that we're not used to having those kinds of character flaws. And that's why it bothers us
2: so that's much. It's not a flaw. It's not a flaw in the character. It's a flaw in the movie. It's,
1: <laughs> yeah, he, we don't see him not caring. We We see the movie not caring. And that's the difference for me. I mean if, the, if didn't didn't putting, you're you're putting you're
3: putting it on all of the filmmakers that they don't care where I mean honestly like it's it's an immensely crappy thing for Superman to do, and we read it as something that Superman would never do. No, no, it's, it's not just that we read no. it as that.
0: It's like, the movie's either going to make you... Are you supposed to sympathize and identify with him, or are you supposed to uh, condemn him for his callous destruction? And the movie does not frame... The movie frames that as if we're supposed to be, oh, he's Superman, We we sympathize with him. Like, it's up to the movie to... It's not just like a documentary, right? It's up to the movie to arrange itself to deliver whatever kind of thing it's trying to deliver here. And what it was delivering was Superman is your guy. He's cool. He's coming to his own. Now this is Superman. You remember that was the drone scene. It's like, oh, yeah, there he is. That's Superman. I remember it's not. Hey, it's not like Zero Dark Thirty, where it's just like, look at this stuff, guys. <laughs> what do you Zero think Dark of it? 30. It's not just laying it out in front of us. I mean, right? I don't
2: know about you guys, but the crowds that you're coming out of the movie theaters with, they're not like, oh, my God, I can't believe superhero murdered all those innocent people. Right, they're exactly. Because like, yeah, yeah, that, that's not,
1: that's like, not yeah, what the, the movie is doing. doing. Yeah, the bad yeah, so for me, for me, it's not that the movie is, is, is commenting on whether it's right or wrong for Superman to have had this fight in this area with all these people dying, my point is the movie isn't commenting on it at all. I think it's just not there. I think I think this movie is taking is essentially amoral at that point. Well, it's not like Zero, Zero Dark Thirty is welcome, more amoral. And and not culture. commenting. This movie is
0: actually coming at you and saying you should be okay with this because look at Superman. He's actually kind of a cool, funny guy, and ha ha, he took out that drone. He's actually kind of hot, isn't that great, guys? Th- that the movie's coming out and stink. this is our view on what just happened with Superman. We as movie makers feel that this was perfectly fine that there are no consequences and here's the scene to prove it right they're not saying they're not staying out of it like Zero Dark Thirty. saying terrible things happened Here, what do you guys think of it and you walk out of, the, out of the movie theater like with your eyes straight ahead like zombies like oh my god and you don't know what to think of it like they this movie does not stay out of it it has a stance and the stance is it's fine no big
3: deal. <laughs> I, I, I disagree. I, I think the stance is judge him judge him for it or don't judge him for it. And that's, that ties exactly to what you're talking about, people walking and going, hey, yeah, that's great. And, you know, Superman beat the bad guy and everything. And people say the same things about the military doing different things as, well, great, at whatever cost. Fantastic. They got the bad guy. I didn't care about it. None of those 10,000 people were my sister or cousin All or right.
1: brother. I, I, I think you're giving it too much credit and I don't think the movie is actually thinking anybody's going to think that. I think the movie is expecting that people are going to be like, wow, a lot of crap blew up and that was kind of cool. And then the guy died and that was awesome. Um, and not thinking about, and I just don't think you can, I, I don't think you can or should um, show sc- a destruction on that scale while pretending that it has no relevance to what happens in the story. Plus I think you're missing a, a lot of dramatic options by not addressing it. But it is what it is. I think we've we've be, we've we've taken our own little city and destroyed it into, <laughs> smith- found it into smithereens with our machine that makes the gravity go up and down again. Which I actually thought was kind of cool and weird in a way. It's the smushy machine, Jason. Please. Although I'm not quite sure how, how you use the smushing machine for terraforming, but whatever, whatever. This is these are people. This is technology invented by people who uh, destroyed the core of their planet and made their planet blow up. So their n- their technology is not solid. It's advanced, but not Technology's fine. It's user error. Totally. It is. It is. Pepcac. Oh, anyway, again, this is one of the things that I credit a movie like this, even when I say that I don't like it, is that um, if you can talk about it in this level of detail, there's something... To, to be, uh, you got to give it credit for that because there are a lot of movies out there that you just be like, I don't know what to say about this movie, good or bad, especially bad. So I think that's to this movie's credit that we can talk about it.
3: Well, if if I can almost get Jason Snell to ban me from The Incomparable permanently. Oh no. Because I, I make I, him so angry. No, I
1: invited no, you on specifically. Nobody's ever been banned from The Incomparable. No, nobody except <laughs> Andy and I. No, I mean, uh, nobody's banned from The Incomparable. Um, I specifically invited you on because you you said that you had a you had a, uh more positive opinion on this and i I thought that that would be kind of fun to have it have it on there now you're banned no um (laughs) so i want to thank my my guests for discussing man of steel with me dan morin thank you again for being on every podcast ever
2: it's a pleasure and i'll see you on the next podcast yes of
1: course john Syracuse. you're a monster and i will stop you i think we can all agree who the real winner is after watching this
0: movie and that's jj abrams who made two <laughs> Star Trek movies that were not terrible? And he's all just setting us up for the crushing, crushing <laughs> blow that will be the terrible Star Wars. He's getting your hopes up. this right, exactly. Oh.
1: He's just setting us up to knock us down. Yep, yeah. And Moises, says you are, you are welcome back sometime of, uh, on the time of my choosing when I choose it carefully. But yes, you are welcome back, and I'm glad that you brought uh, your your perspective to this too. Uh, I appreciate it. Well,
3: thank you, Jason, and you're welcome on on the all new, all different giant size that uh, that we rebooted just this week. And in which uh, in which we talked about Superman stuff as well, but not not nearly to the heat uh, at which uh, at which we discussed it tonight. So thank thank you.
1: By all means, check out Moises's uh, podcast Giant Size on Five x Five. So until next time, um, thanks for listening to the Incomparable. Thanks again to the panel. I'm Jason Stell, signing off. Uh, everybody out there, we'll see you next time.